is the Adam Crowley Show. Enough! I'm putting these back in my pants. They're mine. This is crazy. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. I've been calling pansy. I've been called soft by more Capitals fans today than I can count. And I can count high. I went to West Virginia. They all say I haven't played any contact sports, so I can't possibly know what I'm talking about. Yo, anybody in Pittsburgh is more qualified to talk about contact sports than anybody who's a Washington fan. The Penguins play longer than the Caps every year, and the Steelers actually make the playoffs. So, we've all watched a hell of a lot more contact sports. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. The Sports Junkies is a radio show in D.C. It's one of the best around. At least that's what they say. But singling out one of their tweets tells you how damn delusional Capitals fans are. Here's one of them. Quote, I refuse to complain about the Wilson suspension. It is what it is. No one thought the Eagles could still win when Wentz was down. Next man up. Use it as a rallying cry. The only folks who don't think Wilson should have been suspended are Capitals fans, old guard hockey folks who don't want to see the game evolve, and Tom Wilson's mother. That's the list. Tom Trashcan Wilson got what he deserved, and now the Capitals are going to have to change some things up. Wilson's been an effective player this series. He's been strong on pucks. He's been good at separating heads from bodies. But here's where it may hurt them the most. Grant Paulson of the Capitals Radio Network and 106.7 The Fan said on Twitter, quote, Tom Wilson getting suspended three games is a joke. Caps have the work cut out for them without their most physical player. Lines thrown into a blender. Terrible turn of events, end quote. He will join us at 520 today. I use the word terribly different. Terrible is Zach Aston Reese having to eat out of a straw for the next month. Terrible is a concussion. If someone robs a bank, gets caught, goes to jail, and because of it his family can't eat, it's the dude's fault, you know, for robbing the bank. Terrible turn of events implies that it was bad luck, happenstance, wrong place at the wrong time. Nope. That's Tom Wilson being Tom Wilson. But the last point is a good one. It will jumble up the Capitals' lines. Somebody will have to move to the top line, and another player is going to have to flex into the lineup. All good news for the Penguins, but... I'd rather Aston Reese not have been messed up. The league, though, finally got one right. Finally. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. TJ Oshie today said, We feel (laughs) like Tom Wilson was taken from us. What is it? Taken eight? We're going to pull your damn enforcer off the ice? I feel like Penguins fans would love to see Tom Wilson get hit by a train. I'm not going to say the Capitals are different until they win four games. Mike Pursuta had a good piece on his blog today at DVE.com. He said that the Penguins are facing a foe they've not yet before seen in the postseason, the resilient Washington Capitals. I love Mike. 
good friend, good dude, mentor of mine. I'm going to disagree with this take a little bit here. There's been a bunch of talk about Washington learning this postseason. Stan Saverin talked about it today on his show. Coming into the series, it was that they were resilient in being able to come back from down 2-0 against Columbus. They did do that, and yeah, they do deserve credit, but the way you lose in the second round is by winning in the first. And that's something they've done 8 of 11 times in the Ovechkin era. They also came from behind to win the Toronto series last year. That didn't impress me as much as it impressed some others. I was also not all that high on Columbus. And while Washington is showing some fight in this series, it's not like they haven't during the last two Pens Caps battles. They were down three games to one two years ago. They won game five and came from down 3-0 to force overtime in game six. That is being resilient. And let me just stress this right now. Being resilient is a phrase. Resilience is a word. Resiliency is made up, and you shouldn't be saying it. But that is clawing your way back. You can't base resilience totally on results. They were a tough out. This year the Penguins are in an unfamiliar spot being behind at this point, but I don't think that the Capitals are all that much different from a mindset perspective. Last year, Washington was down 3-1 to one and came all the way back to force a game seven. That does take balls. That does take gusto. It takes being resilient. But they lost game seven, so what? We just don't count it? If the Capitals really want to show me they're different, then they need to win this series. How much have they really learned? They've been resilient without being able to win four games before. Perhaps they'll be resilient and win this time. If not, then sure they have balls. But they're also the team with balls that fall short, which is what we've seen the last two years. we got Josh Getzoff coming up in about 14 minutes here on the Crowley Show. He of the Penguins Radio Network. I'll try to save the Tom Wilson stuff for when we're not with Josh Getzoff. Getzoff can break things down. Is Carl Hagelin going to play tonight? As for me, the rest of the show, I'm going after Tom Wilson. <laughs> now I'm going to spit in his eye. If you're a Penguins fan... I do think there are reasons for you to believe that they can do this starting tonight. Mike Sullivan is one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League, has not lost a series yet. He's 9-0 as the trigger man for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's not married to concepts. He's not married to line combinations. If things aren't working, he changes them, whether it's strategy or playing somebody with somebody else. He's going to throw a change-up every now and again. He did it in 2016 against Tampa. He did it last year against Washington. He's undefeated in playoff series for a reason, and the Penguins, for all the talent they possess, just have a coach who flippin' gets it. They won one Stanley Cup with Dan Bilesma. It was lightning in a bottle. Everything after that point was underachievement. Mike Johnston didn't work out. Michelle Therrien didn't work out. Talent means something. Talent means a hell of a lot. But if you've got talent married with the right coach, man, you can do a lot of good things. They've also got players who know how to get it done when the chips are down. Brian Rust is Mr. Elimination Game. This isn't one, but it's damn close. Connor Sherry, for all the chopping up of the puck he's done in this series, scored an overtime goal in the Cup Final. Sidney Crosby scored an overtime goal when they were down one nothing in Tampa in the Conference Final. He's won the Smythe in back-to-back years. Phil Kessel has a bunch of points since he's been acquired by these Pittsburgh Penguins, and he's played his best hockey 
in the playoffs. Jake Gensel, hell, is the greatest playoff goal scorer that's ever graced God's green earth. And Evgeny Malkin's also a Conn Smythe winner. Oh, and the goalie, who hasn't played all that well to this point, tends to play pretty well when the chips are all down 10-2 and two after a loss in the postseason, and he won the Cup twice as a rookie. Last year, the Penguins were down 2-1 to one and won Game 4 in Ottawa. Last year, the Penguins were getting outplayed and pushed back to win Game 5 against Nashville. They won Game 7 on the road in Washington. They pulled out Game 7 against Ottawa. They found a way to beat Washington in overtime of Game 6 in 2016 when the Capitals did do everything that they wanted to do up until that point. And they came from behind to beat Tampa in Game 6 and 7 two years ago as well. This team has a track record of playing its best hockey in the biggest moments. This team has gotten it done time and time again. It does not guarantee anything tonight. They could play a great game and lose. It's hockey. It's why a lot of people think the sport sucks. Weird stuff happens all the time. They could play poorly and win. But their track record in these games gives me confidence that they'll at least play the best hockey game that they can. When their backs are against the wall, they play their best. You don't even have to look past this year. Down 4-2 against Philly in Game 6, they stormed out with a win. Down 2-0 against Washington in Game 1, they stormed back and got the win. These Penguins have won the Cup two years in a row. And when you've had that much success, and you're playing a team that you've so thoroughly dominated, both in your history and these last two years, you might think, oh, we've got this on cruise control. And you might think, just showing up is going to give us our best chance to win. No, that's not the case. In the playoffs, you have to want it more. You have to have desperation. You have to act as though your ass is firmly pressed against the corner of that wall. You have to. And if you don't, you're going to get outworked, and you're going to lose series. These Penguins, I don't think, can drum that up organically. It's a flaw. I think it's one of the reasons why they've started so poorly in these playoffs. First period's been awful in almost every game. Really, they've played two good first periods out of the nine games that they have played. Desperation cannot be manufactured. Desperation has to be real. I can try to run a six-minute mile. If you put a tiger behind me, I think I've got a better shot. That's not true. I'd just die. But you get what I'm saying here. These are the back-to-back cup champs. They think they've got moxie, and they do. They think they know how to win, and they do. But sometimes thinking you do can be a detriment because they're starting these games so slowly thinking, ah, drop the puck and we're the better team. Not the way it works. So now that they're down two games one in the series, it doesn't have to be manufactured anymore. That shit is real. It's not fake. It does not have to be drummed up. You're down 2-1. to one. You want to keep playing. You want to make history. You want to win three cups in a row? Go out there and battle your ass off against these jabronis from our nation's capital. Now, you need the desperation. And you needed it to beat Philly in Game 6. You needed it to beat Washington in Game 1. They were playing like a desperate hockey team down the stretch on Tuesday, and they had the Caps' backs firmly pressed against that same wall. On that final shift, and a terrible turnover by Olimata sent the Capitals the other way. They were out playing Washington for the final three or four minutes of that hockey game. The Penguins, I thought, largely outplayed Washington on Tuesday. 
They can be desperate when they need to be. And tonight, they need to be. Eliminate the breakdowns. And these Penguins have been there before. They've played their best when they need to. Let's see if it happens again tonight. Josh gets off in eight minutes here on the Crowley Show. We've got Jason Mackey live here at Buford's Kitchen. Come on by, grab some Bud Lights. We're upstairs right across the street from PPG Paints Arena. He'll be joining us at 6. Can't wait for that. And we've got Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan. We've been beefing a little bit on Twitter. It's not personal. It's a difference of opinion. He'll be joining us coming up at 5.20. As for the X's and O's of tonight's game, the Penguins simply have got to be better on the blue line. Have to be. Because I think they've largely done a good enough job of defending in their own zone. I've been happy with that aspect of it, save for Alexiak's brutal giveaway that cost him a goal. Other than that, they were great. They only gave up 22 shots. The problem is the pinching and getting caught up ice. These Pens defenders are talented, and the team is playing a structured game in front of them, but they can't keep getting burned. Sullivan, though, does not always stick to plan A. Sullivan will change things up. He'll go all the way to plan Z if he has to. And I think that he needs to tell these Penguins, be a little more buttoned up. Be a little more patient. Because the Capitals have been credited with 17 odd man breaks this series. That is obnoxious. Four in the final ten minutes on Tuesday. That can't happen. But it did, and that's why they lost. Clean it up or go home early. That's the biggest key tonight. That's the biggest key in this series. Let's see if they do clean things up. Before we get to Josh Getzoff, I was on a house showing earlier today. And we're having a disagreement here amongst the colleagues of whether or not I should have done what I did. And what I did was poop in the downstairs toilet. Is that okay? I think it is. It's not okay at all. I think you have to check out the throne. Got to know if it works. You can't dump on a showing. Like, there's the real estate. Was it a guy or a girl who was showing you? It was Nancy. She's a good friend of ours. Okay, so she's showing you the house. She is. You go into said house, and you're with your wife and this Nancy, right? Correct. Then you go, hey, I'm going to try out the old John here. That's not how it went down. No? You are mischaracterizing me. I'm, I'm asking. Oh. What happened was this. Okay. We were talking upstairs. I said, hey, I'm going to go check out the basement. I wonder if it could be a solid spot for a man cave. With the intent of dumping. You're with, looking for a bathroom. With the intent of dropping a deuce in the toilet. It was a half bath. If I did it in the master, I could see why he'd be mad. You got to know if it works. And I had to go. And this poor lady has to show the house again. Next couple that comes through. No, that's not. No, going to smell dumb. It wasn't an open house. It was just a showing. Okay. So we had to schedule this. The couple had to leave that owned the house. Now they're going to have to smell, but I don't. I don't really care that much. Look, I'm not a fan of uh, public dumping at all, like at all. But that's just like over the line. Like that's not even close to being acceptable. Here's the deal, though, pal. Yeah. My shiz. Yeah. It don't stank. That's BS. Coming up next, Josh gets off of the Penguins Radio Network. <laughs> Weigh in on whether or not I should poop at an open house. No. Or a showing. No, really, I can neither. Poop the hell I want neither. as long as it's in a toilet and the door's closed. <laughs> Doesn't matter what kind of open house, you can't poop at it. Definitely not a showing. My God, man. Let's see if Josh gets off the pot. <laughs> oh, no.
Bad joke. Oh, no. That joke might be worse than pooping at the open house. It's ESPN at Pittsburgh. Let's see if Josh gets off the pot. Oh, no. Bad joke. Oh, no. That joke might be worse than pooping at the open house. All right, not my best work. It's not like I wrote it down on my... Oh, wait, yep, it's right here in my notes. Damn it! Not good! Penguins caps, game four tonight, and ho-ho, is it a big one. Josh Getzoff of the Penguins Radio Network joins us now to discuss. Josh, how are you today? Adam, what's up? How are you? Man, I, I don't know if I can recall being this charged up for a game that's not an elimination game. I also can't recall a time where I was as angry after a performance as I was after the Penguins lost to the Capitals in game number three. It was one that you just don't want to see them let get away. And tonight, I know they're not calling it a must-win, but it's as close as you can get to a must-win. I think the Penguins need to do a better job of the pinches, Josh, and I think that's probably where it starts with critiquing their play. Absolutely. I mean, it starts from the goal on out, especially if you're looking at game three in particular, I think at least. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to, to zero in on Matt Murray with everything he's accomplished in his career, but he was not very good, uh, on, uh, Tuesday night. I think that's fair to say. Uh, I thought some of the blue liners played pretty well. Chad Ruedel probably had his best game of the playoffs. Uh, Brian Dumoulin looked like a guy kind of possessed after what happened to him in game two, but you're right. There are some ill-advised pinches that are, uh, you know, what the Capitals had, I think, four odd man rushes in the third period, two on ones, I should say, uh, in the third period, uh, all as a result of some poorly timed pinches by the Penguins defensively. And obviously, the last one ended up costing them as only Matt had turned the puck over, um, and the Capitals went the other way and scored. But, you know, there are obviously some aspects of the Penguins game that need to be severely corrected and corrected quickly with this quick turnaround now playing every other day from here on out. Yeah, I think you're right with everything that you said, and perhaps I should clarify. I think the Penguins' defense has been really good in their own zone. I know Alexiak had that turnover in game number three that wound up leading to a goal, but I think largely they've been really refined and very good in that area. I think they have the talent. I've, saw, I've seen some people on Twitter say, oh, the defense thinks this, that, the other. Again, I think it is just a momentary lapse in judgment. I think it is a momentary poor decision, and that's really what's done them in. And I would imagine, knowing Mike Sullivan's background and seeing what he's done with this team the last couple of years, that is something that they will get corrected, and it needs to get corrected tonight. Yeah, no question. I mean, this is kind of uncharted territory when it comes to the team under Sullivan in the sense that they've reached their max and losing two games in a row uh, with him behind the bench here in the playoffs. And ditto for Matt Murray between the pipes. It's just something that doesn't usually happen. Uh, and with that being said, I think there's every reason to expect them to be able to correct what's gone wrong here these last couple games and, and make the adjustments necessary to have success tonight. I mean, you look at the other side of the ice, it's a pretty darn good hockey team over there in sure Washington, thing. and they're, they're playing really well. I mean, they're getting, in my opinion, everything they did not get the last two series against the Penguins, which namely starts with goaltending. I think Braden Holpe's been excellent uh, this entire series. They're getting the depth scoring the Penguins are not. Uh, and their defense has given them a couple of goals. John Carlson and Matt Niskan have both scored on Tuesday night. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit more, I think, all coming from all facets of the Washington game as opposed to the Penguins game right now. And, you know, there are a couple of ifs, I think, with the Penguins lineup tonight. And they, if the ifs go in the right direction, and by that I mean Derek Broussard stepping up his game, Phil Kessel stepping up his game, 
uh, Matt Murray playing a better game in net for the Penguins, then obviously things could potentially go in their favor and go in their favor handily tonight. Uh, but you, you haven't seen that yet in this series, and I think a little bit has to do with how the Capitals are playing them, uh, but most of it has to do with some of those guys just not quite performing to where they need to be right now, and it'll be interesting to see how they respond to this one. Josh gets off of the Penguins Radio Network, joining us here on the Crowley Show, ESPN Pittsburgh. Uh, I think you're right, and in the past when the Penguins haven't gotten production from the bottom six in the playoffs, it's been because they aren't good enough on the bottom six. I don't think that's in question at all here. I love the roster. If Derek Broussard's your third center, you're going to be okay. I think he's creating opportunities. It just needs to find the back of the net or else they're going to be in trouble. Do you think that we're going to see Carl Hagelin play tonight? I do. Um, I think everything's trending and Carl Hagelin returning. Obviously, the Penguins had a pretty optional practice yesterday in Cranberry. He was out there. He skated in full. Uh, said he wasn't quite taking contact, but uh, he was wearing a regular jersey. Um, so you can read into that what you will. And then this morning, he was off the ice with the quote-unquote regulars, as we've seen in the past with the Penguins at morning skates. Usually the guys that filter off last are the scratches, and the guys that filtered off last this morning were Carter Rowney, Josh Juris, and Daniel Sprong, who was out there. It was kind of a surprise to see him out there. But um, those were the three guys that came off last. Hagelin had already come off the ice. So I think when you're looking at all the clues, it certainly looks like he would come back tonight. And you know what, Adam? I wouldn't be surprised at all if Mike Sullivan puts Hagelin, Malkin, and Kessel together uh, to start this game and in an effort to, one, jumpstart Phil, but also give the Penguins the punch that maybe they were missing as far as the speed and the forecheck ability of Carl Hagelin, not to mention the, the defensive responsibility that he brings to a line as well. Um, so I think that that's a, an underrated addition if he is to come back tonight. and He could make an impact, maybe not necessarily on the score sheet, but I think he makes an impact as far as improving the Penguins' game stylistically uh, against the Caps. I think that's a great point. The Phil Kessel line, whichever line he's been on, has so far in this series in particular been far too reliant on the one and done. One chance, and then you're going the other way. I think Carl Hagelin can change that a lot based on how hard he forechecks, uh, based on how well he digs pucks out of corners. And if you've got Evgeny Malkin up to speed now after one game for him to get back to his game, I, I think that changes everything, and I think it could help Phil Kessel. Uh, as far as Kessel, why? What the hell's going on with him? He's looked as bad, in my opinion, as he has as a Penguin. I think he's hurt, but if he's going to be in the lineup, he needs to be better. He does, and you know, he's, you can't say he hasn't had the opportunities. As you mentioned, uh, they've had, I had, I think his line has had some chances in this series, and going back to the Flyers series, same thing could be said there. Uh, obviously, he's on that top power play unit, and he seemed Really reluctant to shoot the puck when Evgeny Malkin missed those three games uh, for the Penguins, which I think is, a, as you mentioned, you, you don't want to speculate too much, but it, it's probably a sign that there's something not right there because Phil Kessel can shoot the puck. Uh, and if he's, if he's holding back and, and maybe reluctant to do that, there's maybe a little bit more than meets the eye on that front. But, you know, if he's in the lineup, as you said, there's no excuse. Uh, you're going to be playing this time of year, and you're Phil Kessel. You're expected to produce. And I think the Penguins, under, and he understands that. Penguins understand that. That's part of my thinking why I wouldn't be surprised if he's with Malkin tonight because I'm sure you would have the same thought as me that, you know, Evgeny Malkin really didn't look like a guy who had missed three no. games and not played in a week and a half uh, Tuesday night. He looked really good, and honestly, if he doesn't hit the post in the third period, we're sitting here probably talking about the Penguins having a chance to go up 3-1 in this series tonight. So 
Uh, I would expect that another game under the belt of Evgeny Malkin would uh, potentially be a huge boost for the Penguins tonight. And, you know, if Kessel does line up next to him and Hagelin is back in the lineup, that's a lot of pluses uh, in the Penguins column. Yeah, no doubt. And that would be the second line. You know Crosby and Gensel and Hornquist are going to be the first line. Uh, if Hagelin does slot in there and Kessel does wind up on that second line, how do you think things work out uh, in the bottom six? Obviously no Zach Aston Reese because his face exploded and that really stinks. But uh, what do you think they're going to do with the bottom six? I think we'll see the same line with Broussard uh, that we saw last series, uh, or I should say in the beginning of this series, with the uh, uh, Rust and Sherry flipping sides is how I mentioned them, uh, but on either side of uh, Broussard. And then it'll probably be Riley Shan, Dominic Simone, and uh, Tom Kunako on that fourth line. And, you know, uh, Riley Shan, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he brings yeah. a lot more than people give him credit for. But with those two on his wings, I mean, I, I don't know how much you can expect as far as ice time and, uh, you know, offensive prowess with that group. But that third line, I mean, that should be a fast line. That should be something that having it in your bottom six can – turn things over as far as rolling your lines are concerned and maintaining possession of the puck and generating some offensive zone time, which is what I think has been, as you mentioned, one of the more frustrating things for the Penguins in this series. They uh, they haven't had a lot of zone time offensively. They have been one and done quite a bit when they come into the Washington zone. And as I said, you know, a lot of that goes to credit of Holpe for, for covering the puck a lot, not giving up second-chance opportunities. Uh, Capitals' blue line, I think, has played pretty well in this series, all things considered. Aside from a hiccup the here and there, like when Dmitry Orlov lost his jock strap last game with Jay Gensel. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I think this is a, a group in Washington that's played pretty solid through these first two games. And it's really, a, you know, you turn your eyes to the Penguins and say, okay, you guys have to respond here because they've given you a pretty good shot through three games. And uh, this is a game, as you mentioned, it's not a must win, but it's pretty darn close with when you, when you look at just a giant scope of things and how these two teams have fared through the first three contests. Josh, Ovechkin has scored a goal in each of the three games of this series. I think he's on the verge of taking the series over. Uh, but again, I think some of the opportunities that he has generated and that have been generated with him on the ice have been because of poor pinches, things of that nature. What can the Penguins do to tighten up on him? I know it's a tall order. Yeah, I don't know if there's any real answer to that. I don't. I, of Alex Ovechkin, I agree with you. I think he's been the best player on the ice in every game. Um, and I actually, I, I think I spoke with you about this in the beginning of the series, but I've talked to a couple people about this, and I said the same thing. You know, I think Alex Ovechkin the last couple years has been the best player for the Capitals. The problem is he hasn't gotten anything behind him, uh, and that's been a big difference in this series. He's definitely putting his best foot forward uh, to kind of buck all those trends and get rid of the stereotypes surrounding him and his lack of playoff success, and uh, he's been a handful for the Penguins in this series. I think... The goal he scored last game was pretty sensational when you just look at what he was able to do. It was Crosby-like uh, to bat the puck out of the air kind of against the grain coming across the crease and, and win the game, essentially, for and the Capitals. But, not, not to interrupt, Josh, if Crosby does do that, uh, Pittsburgh's going nuts over it. So uh, he, does, yeah. he does deserve a lot of credit for what he did and how he finished the end of that game. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a high-stakes play, as Mike Sullivan would say. That's like you're, you're talking about you missed that, you're – probably going to overtime then who the heck knows what happens but you're certainly kicking yourself that you overskated the puck I mean I thought that was a really impressive play by him and I mean you look at the goals he scored in this series the the game game one shot you and I talked about that earlier in the series the bullet over the glove of Matt Murray I don't think anyone's stopping that and then obviously the goal he scores in the beginning of game two another high shot 
and and he put some velocity on that puck when he lets it go, as we've seen time and time again. So as far as stopping him is concerned, I mean, you have to gap up more if you're a defenseman or even a forward in the neutral zone and, and try to slow him down before he picks up steam coming down the wing. And I think you just have to be more alert of where he is on the ice. Uh, which has been something that's been kind of perplexing. I feel like he and Nicholas Backstrom have, have had some space out there, and uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, obviously, as well, who's back, who's uh, uh, Ovechkin centerman. They, they've had some space out there, and those guys are too talented to get space to, just like the players on the Penguins. I mean, you give them the opportunity, they're going to take advantage, and they have in this series. Holpe's clearly outplaying Murray right now. Uh, I do think that a lot of that has to do, at least the numbers, with the odd man breaks going the other way, the quality chances that Washington's getting. But if you're a Penguins fan looking at Matt Murray, why should you think that that's going to change? Because he's Matt Murray. <laughs> I know that's a terrible answer and not what you're looking for. but No, I, I think I, I, Mike Tomlin would have said the same thing. Matt Murray's going to do Matt Murray things. Yeah, I mean, that, but that's what we've come to expect, right? Like what he's done, what he did last game, was very unlike the goaltender we've come to, to know, in the, especially in the postseason. I just kind of looked at it last game that the puck was hitting him. He wasn't necessarily making saves. Yes. Um, and that's not really the Matt Murray we've come to know. This is a guy that's usually super confident, uh, making saves, not a lot of second-chance opportunities, a lot quicker post-to-post than people give him credit for than, or than you would even notice on the surface when you look at the build of him and how he moves in the net. But I just didn't see that in Game 3, and I thought he was spectacular in Game 1. I thought he was good in Game 2, but he definitely went ticked down in uh, Game 3. And I think he understands the situation here as better as well as anybody else does, just in the sense that a lot of the, the fate of the Penguins tonight rests on his shoulders. And I feel like this is a guy that we've seen time and time again prove that that kind of a situation and that kind of a moment is not too big for him. And he's able to jump in and, and embrace it and kind of run with it and give the Penguins the big save early on that they need or give them a series of saves uh, that they need when they're up by a goal uh, to keep the lead intact. So I would expect him to have his best game of the series tonight. And honestly, you know what, if, if he doesn't, we're, you're not looking at a very good situation, I don't think, because based on what we've seen from Braden Holpe, uh, there's been no reason to expect him not to come out and be strong again tonight. I thought actually thought his best game of the series was game three. Yes. Yeah, he's been excellent. And I think Penguins fans kind of wrote him off a little too much coming into this series. It's not like he's been Sergei Bobrovsky and just stunk out loud against Pittsburgh. It always seems like he gives up one more goal than he needs to give up, and that's been a big problem. Uh, that has certainly not been the issue so far through three games. Last thing here for you, Josh, and we've run out of time, so I'm just going to put it to you here real quick. <laughs> yes or no? Did the league, did the Department of Player Safety make the right call on Tom Wilson? Yes, but I'm surprised they did. That's what I'll leave you with. Oh, I like you not just going with the yes there, and I would 100% agree with that assessment. Uh, Josh, great stuff as always, man. Thank you for always uh, hopping on with us here during the playoffs, and hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again soon. Yeah, look forward to it. No problem, Adam. I'll talk to you soon. All right, be good. Josh gets off of the Penguins Radio Network. Coming up next... Tom Wilson got his from the Department of Player Safety. I'll tell you why I think it was without question uh, and objectively the right call. And then if they hadn't and you, Pittsburgh, could punish him, how would you do it? All around the corner on ESPN Pittsburgh.
woke up today a little bit more chipper than I usually would if the Penguins were down 2-1 to one in a series. And it's because that scumbag, D-bag, jack wagon Tom Wilson got his. The league determined that although Wilson led with his shoulder, he lifted to make Aston Reese's head the main point of contact on a hit that was considered avoidable. The check would have been legal had Wilson stayed low and delivered it through Aston Reese's core, according to the league. They got it right, period. You cannot thrust yourself towards the skull. And if you're not biased, if you're not a Capitals fan, or you're not somebody who's still clinging to the stone ages of hockey, it's obvious that Wilson could have hit him lower if he didn't thrust himself forward. That's it. They got it right. Period. And for those who think this is just about this hit, for those who think that it was just about Tom Wilson hitting Zach Aston Reese, it ain't. Tom Wilson's a repeat offender. And as dumb as it is, and this is stupid, just the same way that if you bleed, it's a four-minute penalty, Zach Aston Reese being injured had something to do with the length of the suspension. The Capitals, though, not just their fans, not just the Stone Age hockey commentators, are delusional. Bra uh, Brayden Holpe, pardon me, I dropped my pen at the same time, said, quote, Wilson hits clean, he just hits hard. A lot of players hit hard. A lot of players. The whole damn league, sans Phil Kessel, hits hard. Because they can all skate, they're all big, they're all rocked up, they're all physical specimens. Wilson just does it time and time again. And if you're trying to be the guy who runs people, eventually you're going to get him in a spot you're not supposed to get him. Wilson hit Wenberg up high in the first round series, but the league did not have a camera angle to determine the principal point of contact. He hit Dumoulin up high in game number two of this series. Now he hit Zach Aston Reese in the dome and busts his skull. He consistently plays over the line in the playoffs and otherwise, and that's why this joker has been suspended three times this year. It's the Tom Wilson hat trick. Preseason, regular season, postseason. Why the flip? Is anybody surprised that this guy got what he deserved? I mean, hell, he did it twice the last two games. It was a two-game suspension earlier in the year in the preseason. It was a four-game suspension in the regular season. Anybody defending the suspension has an agenda, period. Bad non sequitur. We're going to have Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan coming up at 520 today he said he disagrees with the suspension but could see if the league wanted to do it for a game so let's just be clear here he disagrees with it but he could see if it was just a game but here's the deal grant and we'll talk to him about this due to his past atrocities if he got suspended at all it wouldn't just be a game if he got suspended at all it was going to be multiple games Repeat offenders get treated differently, and rightfully so. I said this yesterday on the show. It was either going to be many or none. It's many because he's done it time and time again, and it's many because he thrusted himself into the head of Zach Aston Reese. 
If you throw a fastball at my arm, my jaw does not break. If you throw a fastball at my sternum, my jaw does not break. It's a hockey injury if the puck's not involved, if your sternum cracks. It's a hockey injury if you break your arm. It's a hockey injury if you tear your ACL. If a puck hits you in the face, okay, fine. It's a hockey injury if your jaw breaks. It should not be a hockey injury if your jaw breaks due to a check. He's done it time and time again. This is not hard to figure out. We're talking about sports. His jaw exploded. Your thoughts on the suspension? 412-922-2874. And even if you just want to celebrate, because I kind of feel like I know your thoughts on the suspension, give me a ring. Here's one thing I want to hear, though, from you. And you're chiming in very well on Twitter. If the Department of Player Safety did not do anything, if the Department of Player Safety did not suspend Tom Wilson, how would you have liked to see him punished? Here's what it would have sounded like if he got run over by a train. All right, that's fairly gruesome. It might, might be less gruesome, more of an immediate impact if he just got pushed off a building. Oh, no. I think he landed in a giant pot of spaghetti there. How? <laughs> Here's what it would have sounded like if he got eaten by a alligator crocodile. Do you mind if I offer up a way to kill Tom Wilson out? I never do, Harry. Oh, outstanding. Well, I know one of my biggest fears in life is getting attacked by a vicious pack of gerbils. Humanity. Hey Adam, quick follow-up. Would you rather have a lifetime supply of gerbils or a crocodile? As pets? To eat. Oh. <laughs> Probably lifetime supply of gerbils. You'd never run out. That's a good point. But I do love a crispy gator. I know you do too. Hey, Indians up six to five over the Blue Jays. And fifth. Back to you, Adam. Got a bunch of tweets on this subject. Dave DiCello who is the picture guy. Yeah, he is the photographer on record here in Pittsburgh. He says, here's my punishment for Tom Wilson. He sits there because he can't get through an intersection because an accordion PAT bus is blocking the road, and he has to sit through 37 cycles of the traffic light. And when he finally <laughs> makes it to the store, that brand of yellow water he's drinking is gone because Brad Marchand got the last bottle. That's not bad. That's not terrible there. Holly says, I think at Liberty and 7th Street would be worse. I think that's true. 
Dan says, I think the biggest punishment would be him having to watch the Penguins lift a third straight Stanley Cup. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, he's not he's not familiar with that feeling at all. Braden, he says, shine up Mario's statue before each game, then maybe cut a toenail a little too close so it's really annoying. Yeah, that'll teach him. <laughs> Art Vandalay says, tar and feathered. That seems mean. Nothing's too mean. I'd be down with it. Jonathan says, forced to only use dial-up internet for the rest of the series. You know how that could happen? He could go to a Washington Redskins game. They have to pay for internet in the press box. <laughs> There's no need to praise the league. None. For them finally doing the right thing. The Department of Player Safety is headed by a former goon, George Peros. Once a goon, always a goon. Unless you're Dan Carcillo, who made his thoughts clear, but... If you're Dan Carcillo, then you forget what the definition of goon means. They're always going to side with the goon until the PR hit becomes too bad to do otherwise, and that's what happened here. In my personal opinion, Tom Wilson should have been penalized for his hit to the head of Dumoulin in Game 2. Should have been suspended. He shouldn't have been on the ice, and therefore we should not have seen Aston Reese's blood on the ice. The department did nothing when Stahl or Dubinsky used Sid's head as a piñata. They did nothing when Niskanen cross-checked him in the dome. They did nothing with the David Steckel play. So I don't have a lot of respect for that office. They did get it right last night. But a blind squirrel finds not every once in a while. They should not be praised for it. In fact, Dwight Schrute of the office once famously said, a citizen should not accept prizes for being a citizen. The NHL Department of Player Safety is, and wait for it here, a department charged with maintaining the safety of the league's players. I will not applaud them for doing their job. Now, the video was fantastic. It was thorough. I imagine that's why it took them so long to announce the news. But apart from the detail, they did what they should do. They did what should be expected of them. Cops take predators off the streets. The Predators signed bums like Mike Fisher off the street, and the NHL Department of Player Safety should keep players like Wilson off the ice. Here's a good punishment for Tom Wilson. Make him listen to the Crook and Phony show. <laughs> Maybe have him clean the gauze out of Zach Aston Reese's mouth until he's all healed up. Maybe walk him through the Hill District at night. Make him attend a Pirates game. Oh, no. <laughs> Coming up next... There's one player, and not the player you think, that needs to be better for the Penguins to win this series. I'll tell you who. It's the Crowley Show.